Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is your post-draft edition. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's going on? Happy post-NFL draft. It's been absolutely nuts these past couple weeks, but I feel like we can finally start to, to build our initial 2022 projections, right? Yeah, I mean, I just like I'm wondering, uh, I know the draft ended like last week, but has a quarterback been taken yet or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that sums up this uh, class, really. <laughs> no quarterbacks, uh, one quarterback, no tight ends in the first round. So if you bet those uh, those unders, you're looking good. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into kind of winners and losers um, for each position. Um, we're trying to touch on pretty much every pick, at least every day one and day two pick. Um, maybe some day three picks as well that uh, could influence fantasy this year, influence your season long uh, drafts and projections and all that good stuff. So uh, let's jump right into it and let's start at quarterback, Sean. Uh, who's your big winner here uh, at the quarterback position uh, coming out of this draft? Uh, I mean, the big winner has to be Jalen Hurts um, just because they're getting A.J. Brown. So he has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard at his disposal it's clear you know the eagles are are more interested in giving him weapons than really looking for placement yet i should say um so i think jalen hurts was the big winner Uh, i i still am a little bit concerned about gardner Minshew backing him up um but either way like he's locked in as a a top 10 quarterback going into the season just having aj brown as disposal is just massive so i thought he was the biggest winner from draft weekend yeah and we talk about aj brown and obviously he's going to bring a true number one receiver to Philadelphia but I mean Devontae Smith was no slouch to begin with and we talk about this all the time it's usually year two now when these you know talented uh young receivers break out so I mean you could be getting peak AJ Brown plus a Devontae Smith breakout year and then you still have one of the better 
pass catching tight ends no. in the league. So, I mean, it's really now. And did you hear they moved uh, JJ Arstega Whiteside to tight end? So, oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. So they're still trying to figure it out at the third receiver spot, whether it's going to be some combination of Quez, Zach Pascal. I think they're going to keep Rager on the roster for one more year. But either way, I mean, just with the top three pass catching weapons, I think Hertz has now, they could probably open it up a little more. Maybe they don't have yeah. to be like super run heavy because I think they ended the year. I mean, they were pretty much the run heaviest team in the league down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I think it's great news for, for Hertz as well. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, and um, I think it's a real interesting one, is, is Desmond Ritter um, in terms of the rookies. Because, I, you know, the Falcons, not only did they stop the quarterback free fall with, by picking a quarterback when it looked like nobody was going to bite, but they also passed on Malik Willis, which means they probably like Ritter a little bit more than, you know, we thought, or because you know, coming into the draft, most most people thought Ritter was going to go third. Some people thought he was going to go second, but for him to go second, I don't think Marcus Mariota is like that hard to beat out. So I think Ritter is one of those guys. You know, it's 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 kind of a loss for all the quarterbacks not named Kenny Pickett because they all fell, which means the league just doesn't view them very strongly. But if there's one guy I think um, down there, it's probably not Willis. It's probably Ritter. Uh, and one other guy I'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, I think Ritter's interesting just because we don't know what this Falcons offense is, but we've seen them kind of do more with less with, you know, Cordell Patterson. Now they have a, a receiver in London. So um, yeah. I, I just think it's kind of, if there's one guy that's going to make starts that maybe we're not expecting it, um, it or one of the few, I think it's going to be Ritter. So uh, I thought he came out of the draft better than he went in where we probably thought he was going to, he was going to be a guy behind like a Ryan Tannehill or, or some, you know, be more of a de developmental guy where now he has, I mean, there's, there's a chance he could start in week one. It's not out of the question. Yeah, no, I agree completely with this. Ritter's kind of what we thought Malik Willis is going to be heading yeah. into the draft, have a situation to potentially take over an offense. Um, and he has sneaky rushing upside. So that's, uh, that's why I think he has a chance as a rookie. And yeah, the Falcons heading into the draft had the worst wide receiver depth chart. But like you said, they added Drake London. And we have to remember, Cordell Patterson isn't really a running back. He's essentially a wide receiver. And Kyle Pitts isn't really a tight end. He's essentially a wide receiver as well. So he would have some decent weapons as a rookie. And yeah, Marcus Merida probably isn't the toughest quarterback to leapfrog. So I think his stock shot up a ton. So yeah, I'm, I'm way more interested in Ritter than I was heading into the draft. And certainly more than Malik Willis now. Yeah, I mean, those Malik Willis shares on my, like, best ball teams, <laughs> I feel like yeah. they're already dead in the water. Like, I drafted him as a QB2. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's going he's gonna to go to a team and, it's like, start this year. Like, now it's like, yeah. oh, no. Um, all right, who else you got for uh, winners at quarterback coming out of the draft? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll talk about a rookie quarterback here, uh, and that's Kenny Pickett. I mean, he was the only QB to go in the first round, so that's massive. Um, I, I do like the landing spot. You know, the Steelers – already have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Frymuth. They even drafted uh, George Pickens and Calvin Austin III, which I, I thought were two sleepers uh, heading into the draft. So he certainly has weapons surrounding him. I mean, he's probably the most likely to start games uh, by week five, let's say. Uh, so that he has that going for him. But there are there's some massive downsides here. I mean, he, he probably holds on to the ball too long, which is going to be a, a serious issue behind this offensive line. And certainly – Big Ben is really good about getting out of quick, so Pickett's going to have to do that. But I think his saving grace is he is way more mobile than Big Ben, so maybe he can escape that pressure. Um, so he, he's going to be interesting to see this year. But I thought the landing spot, the draft capital, um, certainly elevated his stock in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty decent spot just 
for a quarterback, you have good receivers, as you mentioned. You have a good tight end in, in Fryermuth. You have the offensive line. They kind of remade that. You have a defense that's going to at least give you the ball. Um, so, you know, I, I do worry, though, like you said, about the slow processing time. Just holding on to the ball usually indicates that a, a guy is kind of not, you know, making quick decisions, which I think that's one of the most underrated parts of quarterbacking because it's hard to quantify outside of just he's holding the ball. And then people try to say, oh, well, he held the ball because because of this or because of that. But it's usually because he's just not processing quickly. Like Mac Jones was the opposite. Like he would just get rid of the ball. And that's how you kind of knew um, he would fit in in a place like New England. So, you know, that is something I think. But he's going to get like long term, maybe be concerned about. But he's going to get his chance. I mean, just like Marcus Mariota in Atlanta, Mitch Trubisky is not that hard <laughs> to beat out. I mean, I it, like it's not out of the question. You said week five. I mean, it's not out of the question. I would put it maybe like 30, 40 percent at this point that he's starting week one. I mean, the fact Ooh, that. He, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it's well, not 50 50, but too, it's it's too soon to make a side bet. But we're going to absolutely have <laughs> to make a side bet on that. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not. I mean, like camp. These guys could both win their jobs in camp. And I think that's why we, you know, kind of talked about yeah. them here at the top uh, along with Hertz. Um, uh, one other guy I'll mention is, is Matt Corral. You know, going to Carolina, I think everyone thought Willis was going to go there. Then everyone thought Pickett was going to go there. They didn't want any of those guys. So, which means they're probably like settling on Darnold for now. But Another guy, not hard to beat out. I mean, you got any fan, like Jets fan base knows it. Panthers fan base knows it. This guy makes a few starts and some it's going to go downhill at some point. Like he could have like one, two, maybe three decent starts in a row. And then it's like, it just goes downhill. Like he's, he's never really strung together a prolonged stretch of, um, you know, above average quarterback play. So, I mean, you know, for, for a guy in Matt Corral who, everyone thought was going to be, you know, kind of buried here um, to end up in a spot like Carolina, who people thought they needed a quarterback enough that they might actually go to the quarterback at number six, which in, mm-hmm. in retrospect looks crazy because I mean, it's clear that like the, you know, the guys that were on the board in that top 10, I think were all more valuable than a quarterback at least, but uh, I still think it's a good landing spot for him. Um, you're just looking for, you're just looking for a path to playing time. Like, I don't think he's the greatest prospect or anything like that, but you're just looking for a path to playing time. Um, and if you're in like a two quarterback week or something, you know, he's throwing it McCaffrey's throwing to, to DJ. Um, so, you know, it's not the worst spot, especially considering what we thought Carolina was going to be heading into the draft and which quarterback we thought was going to go there compared to, you know, how it ended up. Yeah. I mean, we said, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky probably isn't that hard to leapfrog for Pickett. Uh, Mariota, same thing with Ritter, but uh, Sam Darnold's got to be the easiest quarterback yeah, out of yeah. the three to leapfrog. So th- it's a great landing spot for Corral. And he, again, he has rushing upside. So that's huge. When it comes to rookie quarterbacks, that's kind of what you need to be even on the low end QB2 radar. So he has that going for him. He has guys like Kirsch McCaffrey and DJ Moore. He just needs to get them the ball. Uh, and then they can make the magic happen. So love the landing spot. I, I don't like him that much as a prospect, but again, this is about where their stock went up and down after the draft, and certainly his is up after the draft. Yeah, and the one thing we should probably mention, though, is for each of these rookies, it's still not out of the question that these teams sign another veteran. Like, I don't think they would – I don't think any of these three teams would, like, trade for Garoppolo or Mayfield, but it is something to keep in mind with those – the two – starting quarterbacks that could come in and start like week one that are still floating around. 
So that, you know, that kind of takes some of the wind out of anyone's sails. Like, yeah. you know, if, if, if they're having a bad camp or if like if Darnold's having a bad camp, they might just go trade for some like Jimmy G or something like that yep. too. So that that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, all right. Who else you got for wonders? Uh, so I'm going with a sneaky one here. I'm going with Jameis Winston. Um, I was going to say Kyler Murray after they acquired Marquise Brown. Uh, then the DeAndre Hopkins thing happened. <laughs> he got suspended for six games. So uh, that threw cold water on that. So I'm going with Jameis Winston just because, you know, Sean Payton's gone. That's not good news for the offense as a whole. Uh, but that could mean less Taysom Hill in general. Um, and I thought there was a chance that the Saints would go for, you know, Pickett or Willis or Crowell. Yeah, I, I thought they were going to draft a quarterback. So the fact that they didn't was massive. And the fact that they spent so much draft capital to, you know, trade up to get Chris Olave uh, was really good news for Jameis Winston. So, you know, his six starts last year, he had arguably the worst, you know, pass catching depth chart in the league. Uh, but now he enters this season with Michael Thomas and Olave. So, you know, I think the needles point out for Winston, his job security is probably better than it was last year. So I think Winston was a big winner uh, from draft weekend. Yeah, the Saints love to trade up and not take a quarterback, which is <laughs> like it's actually frowned upon if you follow like kind of the draft analytics community and the value of those picks. So not necessarily the smartest thing to do, but they tend to be decent. And it's hard to, you know, it's, it's it might be fool's goal, but they tend to be decent with their evaluations. So, um, you know, I, I think Alave, you know, they, they, they saw the receiver run coming. Um, I, I don't know though. I might've taken Williams and just, I mean, the saints could have totally afforded to just like let him sit on ice, let Michael Thomas get like 20 targets a game for, for, yeah. for a half a year. I mean, what'd you think about what they gave up to, to trade? Obviously they love Olave. That was their guy because right. they gave up like a second round pick, um, and, and like a fourth round. They just gave up a ton. I thought to move up where I had them mocked getting Olave where they were originally, um, so it just, it's clear that they, they love a lot of it, but it, I think they gave up way too much and yeah, they could have had Williams. Yeah. I, I don't like it from the perspective of just what they gave up. I like it from a fantasy perspective for Winston, yeah. like you said, yeah. but yeah, if we're talking just, you know, how to beat the draft, like that's not it, especially because I think it's overrating, not only your ability to select prospects yeah. and evaluate prospects, but also like, you're the Saints. Like, you're not exactly in, like, win-now mode. Like, you you think you are, but, like, you just got rid of your longtime coach. Um, you're starting Jameis Winston at quarterback. <laughs> like, you're, you're you know, Tom Brady's back. Like, you're not – I don't know. Yeah, like, the Saints, it, the Saints are acting like they see, like, blood. And, I mean, yeah, the <laughs> NFC did get gutted. Um, but, like, Tom Brady's in your division. I don't know. I, I don't, it's, it just – I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it that way. I understand why they did it. They felt like they needed a receiver uh, early in the draft and they, and they saw the run. So I give them, I give them credit for kind of seeing the run materializing, but I, I wouldn't have done it. Um, let's go to losers now. And uh, let's start us off. Cause I only got one guy circled here. Uh, you, uh, you got three. So let's, let's go with losers at quarterback coming out of the draft. Uh, let's just start off with uh, Ryan Tannehill, just, you know, due to the Titans trading away AJ Brown, um, you know, they're, they're drafted uh, Traylon Burks, who I think, you know, down the road might be able to be like 85% of A.J. Brown, but certainly he has a very low floor. So uh, it, it's not looking good for Ryan Tannehill, who, you know, a couple years ago, he had A.J. Brown. Um, they, they had Jonu Smith, uh, Corey Davis, and then it's been sort of downhill from there. So I think they're kind of rebuilding. Uh, not too, we're obviously not worried about the Malik Willis. Uh, picking the third he's not a threat to Tannehill this year but it just seems like 
they're transitioning, um, you know, towards, you know, 2023 or 2024. So uh, it's a big loss for him. Uh, if, if anything, they're going to lean on Derek Henry even more. Um, so it's, it's a pretty big hit to Tannehill's stock. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's gotta, you know, like brutal. And it's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like the pressure on Burks now to be that, to be what AJ Brown was, is going to yeah. be so high. I don't know. I know they did get Robert Wood. So, I mean, he's probably a winner. I know we're not talking about receivers, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird situation there. And so, did you hear about Tannehill and he was like really going through it after that, uh, oh, after that yeah. loss. Yeah. He's talked, yeah. talked about how he was struggling a little bit with his mental health. So hopefully he's good. Um, after that, I know it was a tough loss there and yeah. people made a big deal of the, the interceptions and whatnot, but uh, a bunch of them weren't even this fall. Um, all right. So the only guy I had for a loser, <laughs> um, is Justin Fields. Uh, I think that was a, a big one that kind of stuck out to me coming out of the draft. I mean, you know, bears fans, I've been kind of looking at what they're saying. They, they feel the same way. And listen, I think they got good value on, the, the defensive players they did take in that second round, uh, Gordon, and then they got the uh, the safety after that, Brisker. So I think that was good value. I don't think you should be reaching for a wide receiver, and there was a run, but they really didn't get a lot. Like it's, it, when you look at Fields versus a guy like, you know, Jalen Hurts, where they're like putting pieces around him to make sure he's the guy. And it's just like, uh, I'm sure they already think he's the guy in Chicago, but they're just not really, they didn't really give him anything extra. Um, they, they got their Jakeem Grant replacement in, in Vellis yeah. Jones. You know, he's he's like he's he can be all Jakeem Grant was to, to that team, but they didn't really get they didn't replace Allen Robinson. Right. And and then they didn't get like a third guy. So it's like, you know, I mean, what is are we counting on like Daz Newsom now? Like what is <laughs> like what are we doing in Chicago? Didn't really um, you know massively upgrade the the line either I, it's just, it was just uh it was just one of those drafts that it just, it just didn't really fall chicago's way in terms of uh offensive players with not being able to select a, a receiver until third round and then a lot who a lot of people consider to reach in jones out of tennessee uh and then they go with uh, uh braxton jones the tackle out of southern utah but that that was a day three pick you know and, and they they kind of doubled up on on linemen and tripled up on linemen um, on that day three, but we, as we know, day three picks, they're not really doing a whole, like, it, you can't count on them. You, maybe a couple of them pop, but there's no one we can project on day three. That's making that's moving the needle for this bears offense. That was like legit terrible last year and lo- almost looks like it got worse. So, I mean, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on fields? Cause I was, I was excited about potentially drafting him as like a borderline top 10 guy. And yeah. now it, it kind of feels like he's sliding for me a little bit. Oh yeah, there's no way we could project him in top ten. Let's they sign somebody else. But yeah, I feel bad for him because he's not getting the Jalen Hurts treatment where they had a solid receiver every offseason. Um, you know, Darnell Mooney, I think he's gonna be good this year, but I don't see him as a wide receiver one. And then I don't view Byron Pringle as a wide receiver two. They're more complimentary receivers. So that's gonna be rough for him. Um, you know, he's gonna need Cole Komet to really break out this year. I think that's huge for him. But yeah, they didn't really give him a chance this year. So they're they're kind of putting him in a position to fail, unfortunately. So it's really tough to project them, you know, inside the top 15 at least. He, he does have that rushing upside still, but we just needed just one good pass catcher, and Velas Jones is not gonna cut it. So yeah, yeah, he definitely got a hit uh for draft weekend for me. 
I can see it already. Like week one, if they don't sign anybody else, like we're just going to be on convince what's, me like Byron Pringle under 35 and a half. Yeah. What's, uh, Fields, yeah. Week one, Pat, I don't even know. We don't know who they're playing yet, but it's gotta be over under like 170. Right? Yeah. It's like 180 <laughs> and a half. And then it's going to go down to like 170 by kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, who oh, they signed. Um, who did they sign? Oh, Equinemius St. Brown's like I was reading an article on, on the athletic, like, you know, the beat writers are trying to like, project the depth charts after the draft ended it. I feel bad. I, I don't remember the beat writer's name, but I feel bad because there's like, they had like equanimity of St. Brown as like the number three receiver. Like they just had no idea what to do with this depth chart. And I don't think, yeah. I don't think anybody does. So yeah, it, that's a tough, tough situation for fields. I mean, I still think if you're waiting on quarterback, which is the optimal strategy in fantasy, mm-hmm. he's not the worst pick, but now it's like, there was a time when I thought we could probably safely project him as like top 10, top 12. Whereas now he's on that, he's on that borderline and he's just like a pure upside guy, almost like he was heading into last year. Like yep. nothing's really changed. So, uh, all right. Who else you got for losers? Uh, so I have to go with Lamar Jackson just because he lost Marquise Brown. He also lost Sammy Watkins, which doesn't matter too much, but w- when you consider now that they have to move up, um, you know, guys like Devin DuVernay or James Prochet up the depth chart, it does matter even losing a guy like Watkins. So it's going to be rougher for um, Lamar this year. Again, he has the rushing upside. He's still a top five QB, but I'm, I'm just worried we're not going to see that 2019 type of season from him anytime soon. Uh, they're getting back both, you know, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So they'll be, you know, a little bit better at running the football. The defense should be better, uh, healthier, I should say, too. Um, so they're just going to pass less and that's, that's going to overall hurt Lamar's upside. But again, he has such a high floor due to his rushing ability, but they didn't really do anything to help him out. Um, other than getting rid of, uh, Marquise Brown. So he, he was a big, big loser for me draft weekend. Yeah. And I mean, Brown's impacts can't be like understated. Like I know he averaged only 11.1 yards per catch, but he can still stretch the defense, um, you know, six touchdowns over a thousand yards. He's had, you know, six, eight, uh, seven, eight and six touchdowns in his three years, um, you know, only missed a few games. So he's been a pretty constant weapon uh, for Lamar, you know, throughout his tenure. So this is, I mean, I don't like it. I don't like it. You know, like, yeah, I know like Bateman's cool, but I, I really don't like this for Lamar because, like defenses already kind of figured the Ravens out last year mm-hmm. with how they were, with how they were guarding them. And they would just like play cover zero. And, and maybe that's part of the reason they felt like uh, Brown was expendable because he really wasn't drawing that double coverage necessarily, um, which Andrews can, uh, but you know, Brown wasn't drawing that double coverage, but he was still an important receiver 91 catches last year. So, I mean, yeah, I, this, this could be a shock to Lamar's system. Maybe they're going to sign a veteran, but that depth chart at receiver looks does not look good. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, I think, I mean, the big loser from the actual draft had to be Malik Willis. Um, you know, he fall, fell all the way to round three, which is kind of surprising, but kind of not um, because we, we didn't know where these guys were going. But, you know, the Titans is a horrible landing spot for 2022, I should say, because he has a 0% chance of leapfrogging a healthy Ryan Tannehill. But, you know, down the road, uh, Ryan Tannehill's contract is up uh, after next year, I believe. So he could be the Titans starter come 2024. So he has some time to kind of develop under Tannehill. So maybe long-term it's a fine landing spot, but the, you know, the draft capital and the landing spot was just a massive blow to Willis's draft stock. When we were talking about him potentially being like 
<laughs> well, a Trey Lance last year where he yeah. had the upside, uh, but he just couldn't leapfrog Jimmy G. But he, he's just probably no chance of starting this year. So he, he took the biggest hit for me. You know, there were people, I mean, I didn't agree with it, but there were people that like mocked him number two. Like they had like a yeah. team, you know, kind of trading up uh, to number two. So, I mean, it was a massive fall. And like I said, I think it just shows what the league thinks about this draft class, which that's like probably the worst thing. Like, it's not just like, okay, a couple of teams passed on him that we thought might take him. And he went later, like every team passed on this guy, <laughs> yeah. like twice, yep. <laughs> you know? So like, it's like, you know, like when Aaron Rodgers fell, right. He, he was, he fell a few spots, but he still got gobbled up. It's like, it's a difference with like, no one thought to say, Oh, he's still here. Like let's take him. Like, it was just like, yeah. he just kept going further and further and further down. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not the like you said, not the worst landing spot, but just the draft capital just yep. does not bode well for the future projection. Uh, all right, let's jump to running back. And I mean, all things considered, it was probably a, a, a one of the more uneventful running back drafts. I mean, we didn't get like a surprise <laughs> yeah. Clyde Edwards Elair um, picking the first round. We didn't get any first round picks, and even the guys who did get drafted early probably going to start out in committees that there's no like Najee Harris to this draft. So uh, who's your big winner here coming out of the draft at running back? Well, like you said, I don't know if I could say there's a huge winner here or winners, but I, I think one of the guys that stuck out for me was uh, Damian Pierce Yeah, um, landing with the Texans. Obviously this is a horrible team to land on <laughs> horrible situation. They're probably not going to get to run much because they're going to be losing so much, but this backfield's kind of wide open with Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack there. So he has one of the clearest paths of these like later on guys to be a three down back, like as soon as this year. Um, and he's five foot 10, 218. He certainly has a work, you know, workhorse back kind of profile. He wasn't used much at Florida, but he he certainly checks all the boxes. So I remember you and I were kind of hammering Rex Burkhead yes. <laughs> towards his ear. It's, it's, it's all about volume. I mean, he, he, He's not great, but I mean, Pierce is in a situation where he doesn't have much competition. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how Marlon Mack looks, but um, there's a real shot for him to be a starting running back sooner than later. So I thought his landing spot was one of the best I, I saw from these like round three on backs. Yeah. And I mean, you hope that the interior of the line is a little bit better. They did draft uh, Kenyon Green in the first round out of Texas A&M. So he should start immediately on the inside. I remember last year, Houston's interior line was just one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's not major, but just little things like that, I think could help. And then another reason I really like Pierce's landing spot is because you look around this team, right? And there's Brandon Cooks, right? When you talk about a weapon, there's no real other weapon. Like mm-hmm. uh, John Mechie, they drafted him um, the third. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good route runner, but he's like, He's not super explosive. He's more of just like a good football player. Nico Collins is what he is. Another guy just kind of you're more like your ex receiver. He's not going like, he's not like a weapon weapon, like explosive yeah. kind of guy either. So like Pierce has a good shot at being like the second weapon. And that would just make him, you know, force him onto the field. So it's not just that he has an easy backfield to kind of overtake, but he could legit be like their number two go-to guy who's getting yeah. like you know 15 carries and four or five catches and they just need to get him the ball because they don't really have any other players that are that good <laughs> exactly uh, at, at the skill <laughs> position so I, I i really like his um spot as well he's the guy who really stuck out to me more so than you know some of the guys like Brees hall and 
and, and Kenny Walker, who, you know, they, they were drafted highly and I'm sure they will be at least like in that Javante Williams kind of workload range, but um, you know, Pierce has a chance, I think, to be, like you said, a true, true, uh, like full on starter uh, and maybe even from day one um for for me like yeah it was tough to kind of come out with guys especially after you took pierce um, but one guy i did like his landing spot um compared to some other places he could have gone is james cook uh, i really think buffalo is you know a, a team that like they they didn't want to rely on singletary for as much as they had to and i think cook is going to be a guy that they kind of work in right away like zach Moss not making a team this year like zach Moss just not gonna yeah. make the team because he doesn't play special teams so essentially they just got their Zach Moss replacement and he's a guy who he's explosive. He can catch. He he's learned from Dalvin cook, which always helps, you know? So I think, I, I think there's a lot to like about cook out, out of Georgia. here. I think, I think he's a guy they work in right away to try to get him, you know, into that passing down role. I think they try to get him like seven, eight touches a game off the bat. And I, I think if, if Singletary gets hurt, um, I think he's, a th- I think he could be a three down back. And I think, you know, he's another guy like he could he could end up just winning the role like Singletary is a very solid back. But if you have like an explosive guy, like you're going to give it, you're going to give more snaps to him. So it's kind of like, you know, when Antonio Gibson was in Washington and it just, you know, he started out, there was like Adrian Peterson there. And there was I don't even remember who the other guys were. It was all uh, Peyton Barber, all these guys we thought were going to get touches. And it's like by the end of it, it's like they couldn't keep Gibson off the field. So I think Cook is, is very similar in that respect. And, uh, you know, Buffalo did get a little bit lighter at, at the pass catcher position. So I think mm-hmm. there's definitely a role for him here. Maybe CJ Spiller kind of, kind of role from, if you remember him from, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I think. I, I the think, ball until he throws up, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, man. Nah. Hey, Hey, like I, I think, I think they got yeah. a good role in mind for James Cook out here in Buffalo. So I, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely dig that. Um, I, I don't think it's that big of a blow to Devin Singletary stuck either. I think you could drop both backs. But yeah, Cook kind of reminds me, he's going to be that James White kind of role where uh, great for PPR leagues, kind of gives you that Mm -hmm. high floor uh, with some hidden injury upside, obviously. But um, the only concern is just Josh Allen hasn't been a big check down guy historically. He tends to just tuck it and run. Uh, But I don't know if Brian Dable being out of there will change that at all. But um, either way, I think Cook, you know, he's going to be good for potentially three to four catches a game. So in an offense like that, that's, that's pretty valuable. So again, He's more of a high floor PPR type guy, but I did love his uh, landing spot to the Bills. Yeah, I mean, they said Josh Allen wasn't a, like a, a check down guy when he got Cole Beasley, and then Beasley had like his best seasons. I mean, if if you had Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, you wouldn't and Zach Moss, you wouldn't be checking it down a lot either. You just, just like fuck it, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll get the five <laughs> yards myself. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Um, all right, who else you got for winners? I run uh, so I'm going to have to go Ty Davis Price. Um, I said heading into the draft, whoever the 49ers <laughs> take, it doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> and to be honest, it was a surprise they took him so early. But again, just, uh, you know, I'm smitten with any back the Niners draft. Um, and I always joke that it's always the least suspecting running back that becomes the league winner. Uh 2018, it was Matt Breida. 2019, it was Raheem Mozart. 2020, it was Jeff Wilson. Then heading into last year, the least likely back was Elijah Mitchell. Yep. And I one, I was 100% joking. I'm not trying to take credit for this. said, watch it be Elijah Mitchell. So you can't take anything for granted. So I think Ty Davis Price, just by landing in San Francisco, he might be fourth or fifth on the depth chart heading in the season, but it doesn't matter. This is, you know, roulette 
uh, times a million when it comes to the 49ers backfield. So just by default, he's one of the biggest winners of draft weekend for me. Is he by virtue of being selected on day two? Is he almost, is he too obvious now? Like, should That's we, what uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, we, like we might Sermon have to target uh, <laughs> Jordan Mason out of Georgia tech, who was the, uh, who was their lone undrafted running back signing. <laughs> oh, man. So they, remember I, that name, Sean, Jordan Mason. It, it would be cruel and like perfect for it to be Trey <laughs> Sermon this year though. Uh, when yeah. Everybody's I mean, off him, that'll be it. Like, yeah, I, that, no, that, that actually absolutely <laughs> could happen. But I mean, just realistically speaking, the fact that yeah. they drafted uh, Davis price <laughs> means Trey Sermon might go into the, the, the Zach Moss bag, like just yeah. like throw him back into the, the ocean. Like it might, it might be, a, you know, might not be a, a long stay here on this roster. There, there also is just so we throw them all out there. There is Jamichael hasty, so it could be him, but either yeah. way, and, I mean, there's Jeff Wilson too. He's, he's back. Well, hey, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's out. He's out here. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not looking forward to trying to project this depth chart. <laughs> it's going to give them all like one game of starting. Yes. starters snaps well, either one game or 17 you have, yeah. to, you have to pick yeah. a side here right all right uh who else we got here uh kind of touched on it earlier with the ravens backfield i think um comes out of this a winner because we we've talked about going into the draft they they could draft a guy on day two perhaps um and they didn't do that you know they drafted tyler Beatty, but i think he's more of a threat to like justice hill than it is to like dobbins or gus edwards so i think compared to what they could have done. And, you know, I mean, there was some backs on the board, you know, it, it, that they could have taken and they, they didn't really bite. So um, I think that at least instills some confidence that they feel like, you know, some combination of Edwards and Dobbins are going to be ready to go and, and kind of carry that main load. And, and maybe Beatty breaks in is like that third back, um, maybe beats out Justice Hill. But all things considered, um, I, I was kind of worried that they would add like another major player to the mix here mm-hmm. in his backfield. And he did it. And, and I mean – they also took away 140 tar- 140 exactly. plus targets and 90 catches and 1,000 <laughs> receiving yards, which tells me that they're going back to Raven football even more this year. They're not planning on being like, you know, a, a mediocre – what did they finish? Last place? I think they finished last place, right? Wouldn't and surprise they, me. And they had the worst yeah. injury luck. Like, yeah, let's like, face it, they, they faced yeah. so many injuries, so their defense will be healthier. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to like – you know, like you said, both uh, Dobbins and Edwards heading into the air. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're trying to get back to just running the ball and being yep. in those positive game scripts. I love the Ravens draft, by the way. I thought I think mm-hmm. that's how you're supposed to do it. Just take they, – they took, like, premium players at not premium positions early, but they got, like, great discounts on it, and then they kind of mm-hmm. just filled out the, the other the needs late. So I, I like the Ravens draft a lot. But uh, uh, who else you got for winners? Uh, I think Chase Edmonds came away a pretty big winner, in my opinion. Uh, I thought the Dolphins could have drafted, you know, Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker. Like, I I thought they were going to go for it, but they didn't draft a running back. So that, you know, that helps Edmonds. But, um, you know, Raheem Moser, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Miles Gaskin struggled last year. He was like a seventh round pick and part of the frozen tier last year. So I wasn't too surprised to see him fall off. So I, I just think things are setting up well for Edmonds. Um, you know, they got Tyreek Hill, so this offense, you know, is going to be a little bit more potent. Um, and they signed Teron Armstead at left tackle. So, you know, the offensive line is going to be better. Um, I just think Edmonds was sneakily one of the biggest winners of the weekend. So I could see him being, you know, a low-end RB2 um, to start the season. So I, I thought Edmonds uh, did, it, you know, it wasn't his to his credit, but uh, he benefited greatly uh, from the Dolphins not drafting running back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, he's a guy I kind of – talked i think i was talking with samantha about this mm-hmm. that you know 
he was kind of looking like a value. Like he could probably, he's probably going to give you like no worse than flex value this year. And he was going outside the, like he was going closer to RB 40. Uh, but I think his, his ADP should start shooting up because I think they have clearly, you don't just go spend free agent money on a running back, you know, to, to not do anything with him. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think he's in a good spot. One other guy I'll mention, and it's, it's kind of grasping at straws here, but uh late round guy, Tyler Algier went to the Falcons. Again, I just like these situations where, like, you just don't really have much there. I know Cordell Patterson is, um, you know, they re-signed him, but they they actually did talk about him playing more wide receiver this year. And they might have to switch him back there almost full-time because, I mean, outside of London, mm-hmm. it's still a shaky depth chart. Um, so I really like just, like, you know, the spot where he might just not be active, but he could also end up getting, like, you know, 10, 15 carries a game. They have to replace that Mike Davis role somehow. Um, I know they also signed who was it, Damian Williams, but yeah, um, he could obviously just go the way of Mike Davis. So, you know, there's usually one or two of these late round backs that pops um, every year. So I think Algier has a good, um, a good chance. And another guy, Isaiah Spiller, uh, he went to the chargers uh, in the fourth round out of Texas A&M. And I just think he's a guy, keep his name in mind because he is now in comp- direct competition with, Roundtree, the, the pick from last year, and Josh Kelly, I guess it, it would be, for the backup spot to Austin Eckler. And that's a really valuable backup spot. We saw that last year. We've yep. seen that. When, when he goes down, like, it's – somebody usually steps in there and, and is pretty productive. And they released Justin Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like yeah, he's, yeah, not, yeah, he's gone. So that's – Got a picture. Yeah, I love the Spiller call. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a guy, again, you know – Day three backs, you're not looking at a lot in year one usually, but just keep his name in mind. You know, he might be your Eckler handcuff um, by the time you're drafting. So just keep that name in mind because we all know if you get an early pick, Eckler is one of the guys it's going to be um, you're going to be taking. So, uh, yeah, he's another guy I wanted to mention. All right, let's go to losers. Uh, who you got? Oh, man. So the first one for me is pretty obvious, but it's Michael Carter. And it's a damn shame because – I was pretty excited to see how he would develop in year two. I thought he showed flashes last year and, you know, with this offense being better, I thought, you know, he could be an RB too, but uh, with Brees Hall landing there that, you know, squashed that. So, you know, Michael Carter is more of a valuable backup now. Um, and he does, he does lower Brees Hall's value, in my opinion yeah. as well. I think you're going to get to that, but uh, I just didn't like the landing spot for Brees Hall for his own sake or Michael Carter. So it was a bummer to see, but uh, Michael Carter is one of the biggest losers of draft weekend. Yeah, and I love me some Brees Hall. So, I mean, and I like Carter last year, but yeah. I, I, Brees Hall is clearly like on a different level talent wise than Carter. Yeah. So, I mean, did it? I, I, Hall was about to go to the Texans, which is the only reason I, I would say like I, I would call Hall a little bit of a loser just relative to what we thought coming into the draft. Because again, we're always trying to find that back that's going to step right into a three down every, you know, every down workload, kind of like Najee Harris did last year. And I think, I think the Texans were that clear spot where, you know, if they found a guy, I think he would pretty clearly step in. And then the Jets jumped him. They took Hall. So love Hall. I think Hall could make it like a 75-25 split. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just not that upside for like 90%, I think, necessarily in year one um, that there would have been if he if he had gone to like Houston. So um, still love Hall. I still think he's going to be a worthwhile fantasy pick. I think he has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, just the Texans, even though they, they, they their all line probably is not as good. Uh, I still think they would have just been a better spot. Cause it's all about, uh, it's just all about volume for, for these running backs. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, who else you got? Uh, I'm going with Rashad Penny uh, for my number two because, you know, he was a league winner at the end of last season. He had he just went off. He had four last four out of the five games. I think he had over 130 rushing yards and a touchdown in four of those five games. So I was looking forward to see him potentially be a workhorse back this year. Um, it, it's already tough to project them with Chris Carson returning as well. But now that they added Kenneth Walker, it, it's just a mess. And unfortunately, you know, Penny's value tanks as a result. Um, so this is potentially like a three-way committee on what's going to be a very bad offense without Russell Wilson this year. So I thought Penny, uh, his stock probably dropped uh, almost as much as Michael Carter. It's crazy because after Penny went ape shit down the stretch, like was that last month of the year? Yeah. I think you had the league in rushing yards. I thought I was never going to have to say this phrase again, that like, Pete Carroll just doesn't like Rashad Penny. And then they go out and draft him back. <laughs> you know, when they could, yeah. I, I remember I was in my group chat, I'm talking to my boys. I'm like, yo, Seattle got these two picks. They need to take, I would take like, like a Malik Willis and like a Sky Moore or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Just get, yeah. build up the, and they, of course they go Ken Walker. And I'm like, oh, and I had the over on the under on it. No, the over at like pick 44. So I was just like doubly pissed because oh, he goes at like pick 41. And of course it was the Seahawks. Like it's Brutal. like, Oh, come on. But uh, it's another, it's kind of like the Brees Hall situation where I think Kenneth, Wal- Kenneth Walker, especially once the, you know, the jets kind of jump the Texans, you say, okay, maybe the Texans kind of, uh, you know, have their sights set on him. And then he goes to a backfield where, you know, there's, there could be two other guys now. I mean, what do you think is this, is this kind of, uh, the Seahawks admitting that Carson might just not play again. You think that was part of it, or you think it was just straight up Pete Carroll's like disdain for Rashad Penny, even though Rashad Penny turned out kind of good. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a mixture of both. Um, yeah. Like there is a bit of a mystery on Chris Carson, you know, coming back uh, and it, it, it was a neck injury. So it's pretty serious. So it could, yeah. you know, reading the tea leaves, it could mean that. And yeah, Chris Carson, he's such a hard runner. He, he almost seeks contact. I, Love him as a back, but yeah, he's he's been taking some hits and getting you know pretty injured the past couple seasons. So yeah, they're they're obviously looking to move on from him. Um, I think he's signed until next year. Uh, but either way, you know, just running back, it's just a brutal position to play in the NFL. So uh, I think it's a mixture of both. And I think you know down the road, like next season, I think Kenneth Walker is going to have this backfield to himself. So, you know, maybe beyond this year, it's, it's a good landing spot for Walker. But this year, until we, you know, see what's up with Carson, Penny, um, it, it could be sort of a mess to project. Yeah, it's like, I think there was a hierarchy among these teams that needed backs where it's like, you know, I think the Jets would have been a better spot than Seahawks. You know, even though the Seahawks love to run, I just think, you know, that the fact that there could be a third guy who also happens to be a guy that, you know, the coach loves in Carson, like, uh, it, and I don't mean, I don't know how much passing down work Walker would really do. I mean, uh, from the scouting reports, it, it yeah. seems like, you know, there are some questions about his pass protection ability and things mm-hmm. like that. So, uh, you know, it's, I mean, they, they're, they will certainly run a lot because they didn't draft a quarterback or they didn't, you know, they didn't do anything substantial right. at the position. So, you know, uh, he's a talented guy. It's almost like he could have like I could see Walker having like a penny end to to the season where it's like he's kind of just chilling on the depth chart and then Penny inevitably gets injured and then and Carson's already hurt and then you know Walker kind of comes in and he just kind of can be this like two down back maybe they maybe he still comes off the field on pass downs but um, I think he's a talented guy but yeah year one for redraft uh, it's just a muddy situation for, for at least that as we uh, record this in, yeah, in early like- May. 
a two down back like that, like you said, I don't think he's going to be involved in the passing game uh, much, but two down back like that, you'd, you'd want there to be some touchdown upside. And just unfortunately, if they're heading into week one with Drew Locke as a quarterback, you're just not going to have that touchdown upside, unfortunately. He's going to have to make it himself. He's going to have to score from the, his own 20. Um, so that's that's the other thing with him is I'm not getting a, a big touchdown projection for him. Uh, but like I said, down the road, if they improve the quarterback situation and that, like he has, you know, RB1 upside, uh, just unfortunately for this year, I, I just don't think it was a good landing spot for him. Yeah, there were, there were, we should mention like uh, a lot of scouts, a lot of evaluators actually had him uh, as the number one back in the class. Mm -hmm. I believe PFF did as well. Uh, I was a Brees Hall guy. I think they're both talented as is cook. I think those are a clear kind of top three. Um, But um, yeah, that's not to slight Walker. And he's one of those guys. I mean, like if you're drafting him with a late round pick in best ball or fantasy, like he's not the worst pick because he could just be really good. And like, you know, like kind of like Alvin Kamara was just like, really good even though he was like a day two or yeah. Yeah, day two pick it's like it's, that's not out of question with walker so like i don't want to be like oh he's a loser don't draft yeah, him. i just it has yeah. nothing to do with him it's about yeah yeah it's, it's just the landing spot yeah right was it, it wasn't the best about that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's be clear because he's he could just be nasty like he's on that yeah. he's on that short list of dudes that could just be nasty in this draft um all right uh anyone else yeah last but not least uh damian harris i mean he already had his work cut out for him, you know, having to hold out for Andre Stevenson heading into this year. James White's back. So not that that's going to impact Harris at all, but he's just pigeonholed into that early down role. And then they added two backs, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. So he just has even more competition. Um, and the reason why I liked him heading into last season is because they got rid of Sonny Michelle um, and he didn't have much competition. So, um, yeah, so Harris was a, not a big loser because he was more of an RB3, but just all of this competition just lowers his floor and ceiling uh, quite a bit. So just based on how many running backs they add in the draft, uh, Harris is a pretty big loser for me. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, you know, you know how the Patriots do, they, they might just, they might view like strong as like his eventual replacement, you know, mm-hmm. cause he's Harris played well enough to kind of earn himself a, at least somewhat of a contract um, mm-hmm. when his contract is up. And I don't, I don't think the Patriots want to want to do that with, with a running back. So yeah, it's um, he'll probably be fine this year, but yeah, long-term, future probably not even with the Patriots for being honest uh, a couple other guys I want to mention one is the Bucks backfield uh behind Fournette you know they drafted another back Rashad White um and I just and he was the I think he ended up being the what was it fourth back taken in the draft yeah he was he went in the third round he's out of Arizona State um not the most explosive guy he's six foot two fourteen but I think he does kind of fit into that Ronald Jones role. So, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, at one point, it looked like maybe he would be that handcuff. And then you still have Gio Bernard there. Uh, now this is just like another potential three-man backfield where Vaughn, I mean, I know he plays special teams, so uh, he might still be active, but it's just, there's not really much there. There wasn't going to be much anyway with Fournette kind of taking control, but now like even the handcuff situation is kind of murky there. All I know is I'm not overlooking Fournette at all heading into this season. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to um, What's his ADP right now? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, it's it's I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's up there. I think it's in the top uh, 12 to 15 back. It might oh, okay. even be in the top 10. I remember uh, last year. Remember, I, I just stopped us uh, dead in the middle of a pot. I was like, why the hell is Ronald Jones being drafted? In front of uh, yeah. I was like, legit ask him, Like, Am I missing something? <laughs> but man, was he fun to project at times last year? Fournette. Uh, don't sleep on him. I know he missed like the last couple of months. So I, I thought maybe his 
stock would drop a bit. But if he's being drafted in the top fifteen, that's where that's where he should go. RB twelve on on underdog oh, okay. best ball. That's, yeah, so he's he's right yeah, there. You're not getting End a of the discount. second round. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting a discount on him anymore. Damn it. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's gonna be. It's going to be a good early uh, season for Fournette, too, because it looks like, you know, Godwin's going to probably miss some time. So, I mean, they're really going to have to lean on him. So, that's the only yeah. reason, you know, I mentioned Vaughn because I think, you know, people probably are looking at Fournette saying, hey, well, if he goes down, then maybe Vaughn's a three-down back or at least, you know, a two-down back with Geo mixing in. But now that might – that that doesn't yeah. even happen. Um, and one other guy I just want to get your thoughts on. I can't decide if this means nothing or it does mean something, but – the commanders drafted Brian Robinson Jr. at Alabama uh, with that uh, one of the last picks of the third round. So it was on it was a day two pick, one of the six running backs taken on day two. And the, the talk is like they want to use him as kind of a short yardage back, which I mean, Antonio Gibson scored quite a few touchdowns last year. Do you think that this this is a threat? Because they don't they didn't really have a guy like this on a right. They had Barber, but they didn't want to use him. Is he just going to be like like another barber where he's pretty much not going to get carries or is this guy going to actually take some like goal line work? Cause I hate, I hate the whole like notion of like this rookie's going to come in and take goal line work away from like a good player. But some people seem to think it's going to happen. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think he's going to be a better version of Peyton Barber. Uh, maybe you'll be taking his under 12 and a half rushing yards. I'm convinced me. Um, but <laughs> I, I just think that, you know, it might be more of an indictment on Jared Patterson uh, but I just remember last season, Antonio Gibson was getting a pretty healthy workload. Yeah. And he was playing through and he he suffered some pretty devastating injuries. He was playing through it. Maybe they're just trying to get him some relief. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a mixed bag because I, I don't think he's really going to take away <laughs> too much work uh, from Gibson. But obviously just a few goal line touchdowns um will be very tilting but i just think he's like an upgrade over the peyton barber role potentially just to give gibson a breather because uh like i said he he suffered quite a few injuries last year uh which which sucks because you know jd mckissick's back like he's going to dominate passing work potentially um so it's kind of pigeonholing gibson a bit so i think it does curb gibson's upside but i just wouldn't be too scared away from gibson quite yet yeah, 18 rushing touchdowns his first two seasons, mm-hmm. 13 inside the 10. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's, 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 there is a chance, but I, I, I'm just usually on the, the side of, like, why would you give a rookie those important touches? And, and he's not as explosive. Like, maybe short yardage, like maybe a third and one, you know, fourth and yeah. one. Kind of like, you know, the Bengals like to use Samadre Ryan for no good reason <laughs> yeah. in the Super Bowl. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, and Gibson, you know, to your point, I remember writing about this, you know, he, his yards after contact were just declining as the year wore on and mm-hmm. relative to his rookie year. And I think that was directly related to the heavy workload. Cause remember this guy was a receiver coming out of school. So yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably where it lands. Like, I think, like you said, more than Barber, but still not really taking away any touchdowns, um, yeah. you know, from, from Gibson. All right. Uh, let's jump to wide receiver. And uh, who you got winners coming out of the draft at wideout? Uh, so got to be Rashad Bateman. Uh, I mean, I already love Bateman's upside heading into year two, but now without Marquise Brown, I mean, it's through the roof. So, you know, he's really a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside now, uh, but he has almost no competition um, at wide receiver. And, you know, at least Mark Andrews can keep defenses honest. Lamar Jackson's scrambling ability will keep defenses honest. So, you know, I, I just think that this is a really good situation for Bateman, who 
really flashed last year. I mean, he started off, you know, kind of slow because he was injured, but uh, he showed a lot of promise. So I think, uh, you know, the sky's the limit with him. Unfortunately, in this offense, he can't be a wide receiver one. It's almost impossible. But like I said, he does have that wide receiver two upside now. Yeah, I mean, Brown, what was it, 146 targets, 91 catches. It's not out of the question that Bateman could get that kind of volume. Like, it's just because, you know, he is a guy that could can get open. And he's actually not as necessarily limited as Brown because Brown was running a lot of those, you know, deep routes. He, he was kind of he was running like deep and underneath routes. And I think um, Bateman could do a little more in the intermediate area of the field. So, I mean, it's not out of the question that Bateman gets like 90 catches. Like that's kind of his upside, which would put him at wide receiver, too. So, yeah, I, I thought Bateman, huge, huge winner. I wonder you think they're going to sign somebody at, at some point like. I mean, it just seems weird to go into the season with yeah. Duvernay and Crochet as your, <laughs> yeah, your other two guys. Yeah, right now, like his values to the roof. But yeah, I could see them signing somebody. Probably not enough to really lower him too much. It would have to be a pretty big signing, right? Um, but yeah, I, I can't see them rolling into the season with James Prochet as a wide receiver three. But you never know. I mean, they are in the AFC, which means like they could just get like Debo Samuel or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be a massive hit to Bateman's value. <laughs> uh, but one thing I want to point out is now we know um, he's kind of QB proof because if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, Tyler Huntley is more than capable of sustaining this offense. And guys like Bateman and Andrews actually saw their production go up uh, with Huntley. So it, it's always nice to have in your back pocket um, the fact that the backup quarterback can sustain a receiver's value so yeah um th- that's something i learned last year at the ravens as well but yeah love me some bateman right now yeah hopefully he's i mean i'm sure the cat will be out of the bag but he's he's shaping up to be like a a value pick at least if you're still drafting now maybe everyone hasn't caught on yet um i, I would get a lot of shares of him in best ball um because he has that chance to be that number one guy and potentially catch 90 balls um all right for me i'll start off with the obvious and, and that's drake london you know coming out of uh, USC going to the Falcons at number eight. I think that was just massive because we talked about this. I mean, the Falcons were like the clear place that you wanted whichever rookie wide receiver to go um, mm-hmm. because you just, you have all of the, you know, you have the wide receiver one role wide open. Like Drake London's going to be their number one wide receiver and, you know, could even be their number one target. I mean, you know, we'll see if, you know, Kyle Pitts could obviously you know, dominate the targets and, and he could lead the team, but it's not out of the question that the wide, the number one wide receiver leads the team uh, in target. So, and you're, you even lost Russell Gage. I mean, the Falcons that, that it's, it's Pitts and it's London. And then you have Cordell Patterson, but like, it's, it's going to be such a concentrated target share. So I love the fact that like right off the bat, you're probably going to get consistent production out of London, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's good for, for a guy who a lot of people were saying, you know, is he going to be able to separate? Is he just like more of a jump ball guy? Well, it doesn't really matter at this point, right? He's going to get, he's going to get his like seven, eight targets a game, probably mm-hmm. from, from jump. So I just think, you know, he, he's a clear winner and, you know, the, the upside too is, I mean, I don't think the Falcons are going to throw a lot of touchdowns, but Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. had one touchdown on 110 targets. So not only are you in a situation where you're going to be the number one wide receiver and you're a big body guy who can win in the red zone, but your number one receiver only caught one touchdown on 110 targets. So it's like, and he might still get the double teams over London to start mm-hmm. with at least. So uh, it's a good situation to lead the team in touchdowns, a good situation to potentially even lead them in targets. I mean, there's just a lot to like about, about Drake London uh, going to the Falcons. 
Yeah, I mean, we were saying that before the draft, right? Just whoever goes to Atlanta is going to be an instant winner. Um, so love the landing spot for London. But you already mentioned it. Um, I am a bit worried about just the passing touchdowns in general. Uh, I'm pro- projecting the Falcons for around 20. Yeah. Uh, which is hashtag Not bad. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's that's <laughs> Not and, much there. You know, Pitts, Pitts is due for some positive touchdown regression too, I might add. But either way, it does kind of limit their ceiling. But like you said, like he's a lock probably for eight or so targets a game. So he does have that higher floor with the potential for more. I mean, he could make Mariota or Ritter better quarterbacks and lead them to more touchdowns, but um, you know, just rookie season, that's tough. Uh, So that's, that's really the only thing limiting his upside, but he certainly is, you know, a really good wide receiver for flyer take. Cause like we say, you know, he's going to be probably the first receiver you take on your bench. Um, And in that, those situations you're shooting for upside anyway. So I I think he's going to be going in that, Sweet spot where I, I'm okay taking that risk, but great landing spot for London. All right, who else you got? Um, so let's see. My second guy, I'm going with uh, a rookie, uh, Traylon Burks. Uh, you know, he's essentially being drafted to replace AJ Brown immediately. Um, and he's one of those guys where he has a really high ceiling, but also a low floor. Like he could bust uh, his rookie season, but he's in a situation uh, that raises his floor. I mean, he's going to give be given every chance to yeah. produce as a rookie. He has no choice. Um, so I think that helps him out big time. So I think that raised his draft stock. I, I did think he was going to end up in Green Bay. Um, so, you know, I, I thought he was going to end up in an ideal situation. But just based on the draft capital, based on them getting rid of A.J. Brown to essentially trade up to get him, uh, that was massive, massive news for Burke. So I, I, I'm saying his draft stock is up, but, you know, he still is going to be risky as a rookie. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a great spot and it, you know, if it pans out, the Titans look like geniuses, but uh, you know, it's, there is a little risk, but still can't hate on a spot and, and the guy they're trying to replace. Cause that, yeah. that would be very productive. All right. My next guy is going to be Alec Pierce um, went to the Colts in the second round. And I think they envision a starting spot for him right away as well. So he's a, you know, he, he came off the board, um, I think outside the top 10 wide receivers did go uh, 221 out of Cincinnati, 6'3", 211, has some Jordy Nelson comps, gives them a lot of size across from Pittman. And remember, Zach Pascal and T.Y. Zach Pascal's in Philly. T.Y. Hilton's unsigned. So I really think they intend to start this guy Pierce right away. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, he's had some pretty good success with some rookie receivers. Never shied away from throwing them the ball. I mean, look at Calvin Ridley. Um, comes to mind. So uh, I think this is a really good landing spot for, for Alec Pierce in Indianapolis. Yep. I agree. And it's also good for Pittman too. Like, like you said, they already lost a couple of weapons in uh, Pascal and Hilton. Uh, so they definitely needed somebody. So I think, you know, Pittman's still the alpha, but Pierce can at least draw some coverage away. So I thought it's a good landing spot for Pierce and Pittman. Yeah, this could be, he could be a 90% like route runner right off the bat uh, could Pierce. So like, he's like, he's kind of like the, the poor man's version of London almost. Like he's not going to be the number one receiver, but he could get the same amount of routes per game. You know what I mean? So um, definitely watch him um, if you're drafted now and keep him on your, keep him, you know, in mind for dynasty and all that good stuff. All right. Who else you got? Uh, So I'm going with the the Green Bay and Kansas city landing spot. So that's Christian Watson and Sky Moore. Uh, You know, I think, Watson's pretty raw, but he's 6'4", 208, uh, 208 pounds, uh, ran a 4.35, 40-yard dash. Plus, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to make it a point to kind of prove the Packers wrong for not spending draft capital all these years. So he might force the issue with Watson a bit. So just love the landing spot for Watson to potentially be Aaron Rodgers' number one target this year. Um, and then Sky Moore, great landing spot. 
in Kansas City. Uh, he's the type of player where just get the ball in his hands and he can make guys miss. So while he's not going to be able to replace Tyreek Hill, there's you know that potential. There's those targets up for grabs that um, he can at least fill in that gap. And just being on the Chiefs instantly, um, you know, skyrockets his uh, draft stock. So love the landing spot for uh, Moore and Watson. Yeah, it's like there there are veterans there on both of those depth charts, but it's not like both of those guys could be starting day one. Yeah. Um, you know, will they be the number one guy by day one? Um, probably not. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe Watson has a better chance, I think. But um, you got to love the quarterback. So, yeah, I, I like it. Um, I think whoever those teams took first at wide receiver automatically was going to win, even though, as I said, right now, it's hard to p- p- parse the depth chart. But um, we'll obviously get clarity on that. And it can only be a matter of time. Uh, all right. One other guy, I mean, and wide receiver, I mean, this is the position where I think they're, if you're always looking for opportunity um, more than anything. So I think Jalen Tolbert of the Cowboys uh, is a really interesting one, you know, uh, went in the third round, number 24, uh, 6'1", 194 out of Southern Alabama, but he's a kind of a deep ball guy, straight line guy. But Michael Gallup, remember, may not start the year mm-hmm. healthy. So, and they lost Cedric Wilson. So, like, there's a clear opportunity for Tolbert to crack the top three in a pretty explosive passing game with a pretty good quarterback there in Dak Prescott. So, um, you know, people, some people thought the Cowboys may even go for one of the, the wide receivers in round one because it was a clear need and, and they might need him to play right away. That didn't happen. They, you know, there was a run on receivers, but um, the fact that they still went after Tolbert on day two tells me that they probably, they probably viewed that as a need and somebody that is going to get a chance to play right away. So uh, really like Tolbert uh, for the landing spot. We'll see, you know, I, James Washington will be one of his main, like mm-hmm. um, guys that he's battling with. And that's, he's a Washington is beatable at this point. You know, if, if Tolbert plays anywhere near what Washington is, they're going to give it to Tolbert because he's got more upside long-term. So yeah, look like the spot for Tolbert. Yeah. I was just going to say James Washington versus Jalen Tolbert is going to be one of the camp battles. Yeah. Uh, we need to keep an eye on because like you said, Michael Gallup, might not be ready for week one and they don't have a Mark Cooper anymore. So either one of those guys could be, you know, thrusted into a, a early down role early in the season. So yeah, love the Tolbert call. All right. Uh, let's go to losers. Who you got? Um, I'm going to go with um, Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, you know, last year was probably a ceiling just considering, um, you know, the lions lost both Deandre Swift and TJ Hawkinson for, for much of the season. So, you know, he just saw a ton of targets. We saw he, he had massive upside, um, Goff loves checking it down to him, uh, but with both Swift and Hawkinson back to begin the year healthy, um, plus they added DJ Turk and Jamison Williams. Um, we're just going to see uh, St. Brown's target share go down and a guy like him that kind of relies on targets. Um, that is going to be sort of a massive blow because he can't bank on things like touchdowns or other ways to put up points. So um, while I think he's still, you know, wide receiver three, Goff's still going to love checking down to him. I, I think he's going to take a, a pretty big hit with them adding uh, Williams so early in the draft. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the the upside for Amal Ross St. Brown is kind of just to remain like a Jarvis Landry type player, like mm-hmm. with, where he still, he gets his 120 targets and his 90 catches, like regardless of what yeah. else is going on. And then, you know, the touchdown, he had, like I could see every year of his career being very similar to this one, just 90 catches, 912 yards and five touchdowns like that. That just seems like that if, in a good you know, best case scenario, that seems like, if he could just do that every year, I think he'll be fine. Um, but I agree. They, they did add a lot of pieces around around him, which could kind of cut into it. Um, the, the Williams won't be ready probably until middle of the season. So that at least at least that helps. Chark is not as big of a, a threat. Um, all right. Uh, for me, I'll, yeah, I'll talk about the, the the Eagles guys. I think 
AJ Brown going to Philly as much as we love it for Hertz. Um, I, I think it's still a, a little bit of a downgrade going there because you do have Devonte Smith entering a breakout year, potential breakout year. And, you know, Philly is one of those teams. I mean, they, they pretty much ran just as little as the Titans did and even less at, at times last year. So, uh, you know, and I think the, I mean, Ryan Tannehill with Brown was just such an efficient combination. We have, we just haven't seen that with Jalen Hurts yet. Now maybe Hurts with Brown is that same efficiency, but as of now, it still also looks like Brown is getting, you know, knocked down a peg in terms of the quarterback um, as well. So I think you have to look at him as a loser just compared to his previous situation. And at the same time, you know, wide receivers usually break out in year two because there's usually they were usually drafted to bad teams and then there's nothing kind of stopping them um, from kind of breaking out. Whereas now Devontae Smith has to deal with another guy that can put up even better numbers than him. So maybe that kind of, you know, cuts into his ceiling a little bit more than it would have been if he was just that clear cut number one guy in Philly, you know, at, at wide receiver. So both, I think it's an overall good situation for the Eagles and the football team It hurts, but for fantasy, it makes it a little tougher to project, Brown living up to the same value he did in Tennessee and for Smith to take that, you know, big leap forward that you usually expect uh, receivers of his caliber to, to take. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, there, there is upside here. If, if Hertz were to miss time, I, I, Gardner Minshew would certainly <laughs> you, elevate. You keep, you keep getting him in here. It's like oh, the yeah. sec- oh, yeah. He's like our Gio I, Bernard of, of, I think of 2022. That, oh, he's better than Gio, Gio Bernard. <laughs> I mean. But uh, I think Gardner Minshew, if you're in a deep, deep, I mean, deep, Super flex, two QB league. Uh, there's worse backup quarterbacks to stash. That's all I'm saying. Because there is upside now with both A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. You have Dallas Goddard. Um, I think Gardner Minshew is pretty sneaky. Yeah. he had that. Remember he had that good game? I think it was against the Jets uh, mm-hmm. when he, like, subbed in for Hurts this year. So, yeah, He's he had can, some good games in his yeah. career. Uh, he, can, he, can, he can chuck it. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. He was – I mean, at one point he looked like – he might have been the like the Jaguar starter going forward and yeah. just kind of flamed out. But um yeah, I can't I can't hate on the, the Minshew love, Minshew mania out here. Um all right. Uh we'll wrap it up. Uh go one more each, I guess. Uh the guy I'll go with, and again, this is just based on landing spot relative to to where he could have gone. Garrett Wilson. Um he I thought he was gonna go to the Falcons. I luckily I had a bet with him versus Jamison Williams, who would get drafted first, and I had Wilson, so it's still one, but was a little surprised that the Falcons went with London over him. So Wilson on the Jets, it's just a more crowded receiver room. You know, I mean, yes, they're not really, they don't really have a ton at tight end, but, uh, you know, you still have Corey Davis, you still have Elijah Moore, who's an, a, another very good young player who could uh, kind of take his second year leap this year. So, uh, I, you know, as opposed to Atlanta, where he was almost going to be guaranteed eight targets from week one. Now he's on the Jets where he could be like the third, you know, fourth option, you know, starting mm-hmm. out. Who knows? I mean, he's very talented again. So it's not like I'm saying don't draft him. But I just think his stock went down a little bit because yeah. whoever, whatever receiver in that top 10 that didn't go to Falcons, his stock was going to go down. So um, Garrett Wilson for me. Yeah, I didn't like the landing spot. And I, I will say just all these Jets players, when you're taking them at ADP, you're kind of betting on Zach Wilson have, having a year two leap. Uh, so it's all hinging on that. Uh, but if he can have a year two leap, then he could support, um, you know, guys like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Yeah. All right. Who, who else you got for, uh, for losing uh, that wide receiver? So, for the last guy, it's a mixed bag, but it's a Jahan Dotson. Uh, you know, I like him. He was arguably the best slot receiver in the draft. And, you know, I love the early first round draft capital. I mean, the commanders, uh, I would say they reach for him, but it means they like him. But, 
you know, he was the guy I kind of had pegged going either to the Packers or Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So I would have preferred those landing spots. And now he's it's hard to get excited with him landing on a Carson Wentz led commander's offense. I mean, like, let's be honest. And they, they still have Curtis Samuel. If he could stay healthy, he's going to eat in his target share. Logan Thomas will be back. So it's hard to get too excited. Um, but, you know, he, he would have been better off, I think, in Green Bay or Kansas City when it comes to fantasy. But so that's why I'm saying it's a mixed bag uh, with him. Yeah, and yeah, it's like he could like I've seen him compared to like Tyler Lockett is like mm-hmm. a comp, so it's like that's I would I mean that's obviously a very good comp like yeah that's, that's certainly that's, a that's ceiling. the ceiling yeah <laughs> yeah um, so it's like you can't rule out that he's just gonna be again one of those guys on that short list of guys who could just be nasty in the league, but you already got McLaurin, which you know it might take him some time to prove himself. Like you know you're probably you know McLaurin's the guy that's gonna get like his ten targets a game, so it's like even you know, week one, like Dotson's, what's his ceiling? Like five, five, six targets, maybe in week yeah, one, exactly. you know? So it's just, it, yeah. But at the same time, like you said, most people had him going round two or at least late round one. So the fact that he went like 16th, just from a statistical perspective, mm-hmm. that does increase the odds that he will succeed in the NFL. But yeah, I didn't, I don't know. It's Carson Wentz. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like long term, this could be amazing if if they don't extend Terry McLaurin, they they figure out the quarterback situation uh, in the next couple of years. This could be a great landing spot. But just I'm saying for 2022, uh, he could have done better. Yeah, I mean he's you know he's they needed somebody for that Adam Humphreys role. Like it's that is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's go to tight end. It would just I think like really. We talked about this on the pre-draft pod. Like, if you're not drafted in round one, there's almost no chance that you have you produce in fantasy or, or even or round two maybe. But there, if, if you're not drafted in the top two rounds, there's almost no chance you're a productive fantasy player in year one at tight end. So I feel like the only guy we should really talk about um, is, is Trey McBride. And, and like, what do you think how that's, how you think that's going to affect what Arizona is doing? Now we know that Hopkins is going to be out for six games. Um, you know, is, is, is this negatively impact Ertz? Do you think, do you think uh, Arizona and Cliff are just kind of going to lean in more to that two tight end offense? Cause they did run quite a bit of it with Max Williams um, and, and Ertz and, and just Max Williams and who I forget the other guys, like Daryl Daniels or whoever it was. Doesn't um, pre- matter. Steve Dan Arnold, Arnold, Dan, no, Dan, oh, Dan Arnold. Arnold. That definitely matters. <laughs> yeah. Dan Arnold. <laughs> Dan Arnold matters. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on just how this is going to affect it? Cause I think I could see it going a few different ways. Well, I'm bummed that he didn't go to Tampa Bay because we were hyping that up. Yep. Um, but this does remind me of, and interestingly enough, he's he's been compared to Dallas Goddard. Um, like he he does have that upside. Kind of reminds me of Dallas Goddard ended up in Philly with you know backing up Zach Ertz. Um, so it kind of it kind of hurts both their value at the same time. I think with DeAndre Hopkins out the first six games, Ertz is back in my top ten. Yeah. Um, but I think you know Trey Bride has that injury upside, but uh, like he's going to have no value as long as Zach Ertz is healthy, um, I'm afraid, uh, which, which sucks because he was good enough to land on a team that needed a tight end. So didn't like the landing spot. But again, this is something maybe 2023 20, and beyond um, it, it pays off. But it was really disappointing the landing spot for him and Zach Ertz. So actually, both of them were my biggest losers um, at tight end because it, it just they kind of cannibalize each other um, right, off, right off the bat. Yeah. And like you said, I think with Hopkins being out, I think, I mean, Ertz was essentially leading the team in, 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 in catches with Hopkins out last year. So I think Ertz will be fine. I think the plan is probably to, to go to more, um, you know, 
heavy personnel mm-hmm. and kind of mix it up. But I think ultimately it's probably, okay, we can have McBride learn under one of the best to, to do it. That's doing it in a game right now. And in, in so they, they have Ertz signed to a multi-year deal, if I'm not mistaken as well yeah, through, through the end of next year, I believe. And least. that's guaranteed. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. 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 So he's, so, I mean, this might be a situation McBride, you might have to wait till year three for McBride, which like you said, it's disappointing because if he goes to Tampa Bay, maybe even Denver, um, he probably has a better chance of, of being a, a productive player in year one. But now I think it's just going to be, you know, maybe, maybe two catches a game at most. Um, yeah. I, I think he kind of tops out at exactly. uh, for this year. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for our fancy flex post NFL draft podcast. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can also find us at those same handles in the award-winning Action Network app where you can uh, follow our bets and track yours for free. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com, fantasylabs.com. And if you like the pod, give us a five-star on Apple or Spotify. Until next time, let's get this money.